I'm Shane Sklar with El Toro Farms in Edna, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we had some light weed pressure this season thanks to the drought. But when those August and September rains came, the weeds really took off. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas High Plains feed yards remain very full right now, and they're still struggling to make some profits. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Texas farmers and ranchers' viewpoints are important for the next farm bill. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from a Central Texas congressman on the farm bill process on Texas Ag Today. Sand burr or grass burr is a grass weed that is very troublesome in pastures and hay meadows throughout Texas. We will learn more about this weed coming up. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Weed pressure was somewhat lighter this growing season in those areas that dealt with severe drought. But when the rains came in August and September, Weeds made up for lost time, especially pigweed. BASF technical agronomist Adam Hickson is based in Lubbock. Those pigweed seed were just laying there, and they will germinate throughout the entire growing season. So even those ones late emergers that came up in August are already growing, putting on seed heads, and spreading their seeds for next year. And so we really need to try to control those weeds as much as we can. And that means taking care of every single pigweed plant. I always say that last weed in your field can really cause problems for years to come. Pigweed can produce up to 500,000 seed on one plant and then you just spread that across that acre and you can continue to have problems for years to come. So if we can control those last weeds in the field, it's extremely important as we go into next year's uh, growing season. Other fall weeds can also become a problem at this time of year like mustard and mare's tail. The fed cattle market has strengthened as we've moved into the fall with cash cattle selling for $145 last week. That's the highest price we've seen here in 2022 and the highest price we've seen here in Texas since 2015. 
Texas A&M Livestock Marketing Specialist David Anderson says the futures market is calling for even higher prices to come. I think so. I think that mark, that futures market is telling us that that demand for fed cattle is going to be there. I think that's part of leading us to some higher prices right now on the calf and feeder cattle side is that expectation of when they're going to finish we're going to have prices in the 150s. And so I think that that gives some real opportunities there to make some money. So that's supporting those calf prices. And, and you know, if we look further out than that, you know, there's some one fi- uh, upper 150s out there. But I think that speaks to fewer cows, fewer calves, less beef production and and good consumer demand that would still be with us. With fed cattle prices moving higher and corn prices staying mostly steady, Anderson says that should help feedlot profitability. I think we've generally had profitability on in feeding. I think that's contributed to some demand for these feeder cattle as well because some profits have been there. Even with really expensive corn, boy, that futures market is telling us there's some good prices there out there in the future when these animals would finish. And I think that's supported prices. So I think we've had generally good conditions supporting placements. Texas A&M's David Anderson. Texas High Plains feedlots are very full right now, and James Hunt tells us they're struggling to make a profit. As we've talked about before, depending on how well a cattle feeder plays the futures markets or makes use of alternative marketing arrangements like forward contracting, they can improve their chances of making money off sales of fed cattle. But Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says on a pure cash basis, today's sales are still resulting in losses of about $100 per head. And even if you look at cattle coming into the yard today, if you do the average, which I know averages can get you in trouble, but if you look at the averages, these cattle coming in are still probably going to be losing about $100 a head. So $100 a head going out on a cash basis and replacement cattle coming in is still looking at about $100 loss coming in. So why the negative margins? Miller says the big factor is feed yard head counts being driven way up by drought forcing ranchers to bring in calves early. Whenever we have more cattle than the supply chain can use or it needs, then that suppresses the prices uh, that producers get for their animals. If you look at the Texas panhandle, the three-state area, which is Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico, we've been running about 4 to $6 under what the guys up north have been running, and that is mainly because of the number of animals that we have on feed versus how many they have on feed. Last week, we traded in the panhandle at a 145 cash. They traded somewhere up there in the northern cattle feeding states in that 150 range. So they're still beating us by about $5, but they got fewer cattle on feed. But the flood of cattle entering feed yards appears to be easing up, as Miller will explain tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farm Bill discussions are well underway, and Texas farmers and ranchers are giving their input on what they'd like to see in the new bill. Tom Nicoletti spoke with a Texas congressman about just that. My guest today is Congressman Pete Sessions. He represents District 17 of Central Texas. And Congressman, you had an invited guest here in Texas, and that being uh, Congressman uh, Glenn Thompson uh, from Pennsylvania. He is the ranking member on the House Agriculture Committee. Why was it important for you to have him here in Texas meeting with uh, Texas farmers and ranchers? Congressman Thompson is a longtime advocate of not only the farm and ranching and timber industry, but also in communities that offer support for that. 
and GT is a very dear friend of mine, but a friend of American agriculture. And his viewpoints will matter because we anticipate if Republicans win the majority, he'll be the new chairman of the Agriculture Committee. And his ideas want and require influence from people who actually are affected by the policies that we have. And I happen to believe that Texans have the best answers to our problems, not Washington, D.C. And G.T. Thompson has the same viewpoint as I do. So his viewpoint of hearing from real people in Texas, people who are affected not just by weather and drought and rain or lack thereof, but also the ability to produce food at a great price to keep America competitive with the world and to make sure we're doing our part to help consumers is important, and he cares about that. Increasingly, as we move forward, we need to make sure that the Farm Bill takes into account real issues that face, of course, the agriculture community. Congressman, thanks for your time. You bet. That is Congressman Pete Sessions of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Sand burrs or grass burrs can cause a lot of trouble in Texas pastures. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson has more. Sand burrs effectively compete with more desirable forage species for sunlight, moisture, and soil nutrients. The best weed management program is one of prevention. Most sand burrs are easily recognized in the mature stage of growth when the burr seed heads become apparent. The burr itself is a capsule that usually contains from one to three seeds. We tend to think of the sand burr species as a warm season annual plant. However, many sand burrs are classified as perennials because they can survive from one year to the next. The presence of sand burrs can be an indication of a weak stand of forage. Sand burrs are more tolerant of acidic, low fertility soils than many of our warm season forages. One of the best cultural control measures is to maintain a healthy stand of forage with proper management. Sand burrs can emerge throughout the spring and summer, and a flush of sand burr can often occur after a rain in late summer. Identifying sand burrs is key to chemical control. Unfortunately, most cannot identify sand burr until it has produced the burr seed head. Check with your local county extension agent for identification guides. There are several herbicide products labeled for sand burr control in pastures and hay meadows. As with any herbicide application, timing is critical along with following label directions. There are pre-emergent products labeled for Bermuda grass pastures and hay fields. Check the labels of those products for timing recommendations. Ideally, for control with a post-emergent product, sand burrs need to be sprayed when plants are less than three inches in height in the late spring or early summer. Unfortunately for Bahia grass growers, there are no selective herbicides available for post-emergent control of sand burrs. For herbicide recommendations, refer to your local county extension agent. Strict adherence to label directions is required by law. Paying close attention to label directions will also ensure safe, effective, and economical use. Herbicide labels contain directions for proper rate and timing of application, a list of susceptible species, and information regarding cleanup and disposal following use. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. If you haven't completed hunter education yet and you plan on hunting this year, now is the time to get that done. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the skin is the largest organ in the horse's body. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The skin is the largest organ in a horse's body. Dr. Bob Judd shares some tips on equine skin care. The skin provides a barrier to the outside world and protects the horse from environmental factors like microorganisms, heat, cold, moisture, and ultraviolet light. The skin can store water, vitamins, fat, proteins, and can even produce hormones. The skin is an outward indicator of the health and nutrition plays a large role in skin health as copper and zinc help maintain and repair skin cells. Essential omega-3 fatty acids help retain skin moisture. Vitamins A, B, and E should be supplemented if the horse does not have access to pasture and good quality hay. Equine hair is modified skin tissue and body hair is temporary and shed seasonally. In contrast, the hair on the mane, tail, and eyelashes is considered permanent hair and does not shed regularly. Non-pigmented equine skin, like human skin, can sunburn from extended exposure to ultraviolet light, and a condition called photosensitization can occur with liver disease or with eating certain plants that can lead to skin disease. Lots of folks bathe their horses regularly, especially if they are being shown. But bathing them often can cause a condition called scratches or can make scratches worse. Scratches is irritation of the lower leg followed by infection. After bathing, make sure the legs are dry, especially before wrapping the horse's leg. Horses can develop plaques in the inside of the ear flaps that are white and crusty. These plaques can be treated, but unless they're causing a problem, it may be better to leave them alone. The most common skin problem in Texas is horses that are allergic to flying insects, which causes itching that leads to skin infection. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you haven't completed hunter education yet and you want to hit the woods this fall, now's the time to get it done. Jessica Domel tells how in today's wildlife report. If you haven't taken it already, now is the time to complete hunter education before the general deer hunting season opens. Steve Hall, hunter education coordinator for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. Hunter education is a firearm safety and hunting safety course that's offered to the general public. It is mandatory for hunters born on or after September 2nd of 1971 in Texas, and every state has such a program, and they're all reciprocal with one another, but mostly they get trained in the kinds of things that they need to know basically when they go afield hunting or even when they're just going to the range and enjoying the shooting sports. Hunter education covers things like firearm safety, responsibility, and safe handling. Although the course is required for those born on or after September 2nd, 1971, Hall says many hunters benefit from taking hunter education. 
Yeah, we have a lot of folks that uh, are required to take hunter education, take the course just mainly for the firearm safety portion of the course. It's one that's readily available and a lot of people that they might be uh, purchasing a firearm for self-defense reasons or for other reasons, and they might go and take the course or just outdoors people or conservation-minded people take the course to learn a little bit about the hunter's role in conservation or maybe survival, first aid, and some of the other types of topics that we might offer in hunter education. Those under 17 can take the classroom course or the internet and field course combination. An online option is available for those over the age of 17. Additional details are available on the Hunter Education page on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was another day of higher cattle prices and lower grain prices on Tuesday. We'll take a look back at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Carrie Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833-897-2474, 833-897-2474. Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth, but hey, we all need help sometimes. If you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times, Give them a call, 833-897-2474, or if you can't write it down, go to farmlifehelp.com. Do me a favor, don't wait, call them today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We continue to see strength in the cattle market with a higher close on Tuesday in both live and feeder cattle. October live cattle up 60 cents, 148.47. December up 57 at 149.77. February live cattle up 57 at 152.77. Feeder cattle seeing even bigger gains. October feeders up 75 cents, 174.82. November feeders up $1.42 at 177.82. While January was up a dollar ninety-five, one seventy-nine twenty. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet so far this week. Feedlots here in the South asking one forty-seven to one forty-eight. Boxed beef prices higher Tuesday. Choice up three eighty-six at two fifty-two even. Select was up another dollar thirty-eight at two twenty ninety-nine. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's start with Jody Fry from Producers and Cargill. He's our interview today. Jody, how did the cattle sale go Thursday? Good numbers, uh, 1525, so that was within 125 head or so of the week before. Better quality steers, four 600 pounds from 145 all the way up to a high of near 195, mostly 150 to 175. Better quality heifer calves, four to 600 pounds, 125 to a high of 165, mostly 130 
to 150. Slaughter cows average to high yielding from 54 to 64. A few of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 65 to 71 did have several thinner or lower yielding type cows today from 33 to 50. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 70 to 85. Some of the highest yielding bulls, not as many as we've had in weeks past, those trading from 88 to 95. Cow-calf pairs, just a few small packages, baby tooth and good solid mouth pairs, anywhere from 950 to a high of 1300. What are you anticipating for next week? Well, uh, the weather could sure play a factor in what we have on Tuesday and Thursday as far as that goes, but uh, if the weather moves in here on Monday with that big chance of rain, we could be light on uh, numbers. We do know of a big set of billy goats uh, that are supposed to be coming that could boost the numbers, but we could be less than 4,000 head if, if the rainfall would, you know, cover some ground, and I look for much lighter cattle numbers uh, next Thursday as well. I'm going to say seven to 900 at this point. Jody Fry, producers in Cargill, tell everybody how to contact you. You bet. At the office would be 325-653-3371. My mobile phone's 234-7895. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close sharply higher Tuesday. December hogs up $1.52 at $86.47. February hogs up $1.82, Class 3 milk was mixed with the nearby October down two cents, $21.74. November milk up 24 cents at $20.80, a hundredweight. The cotton market closed mostly lower in Tuesday's trade, right alongside the lower grain markets. December cotton down 80 points, 82.29. March cotton down 55 at 81.44. December 23 cotton down 25 cents at 75.75 cents. Corn and wheat both finishing lower. Several factors contributing to that as far as corn is concerned. We've got a rapidly advancing harvest right now across the corn belt. Export demand is not so hot, and low river levels preventing corn from shipping is putting pressure on corn prices also. December corn down two and a half at 681, March corn down two and three quarters, 687 a bushel. The wheat market dealing with what's going to happen with the Ukraine grain export situation. There's some talk this week that Russian President Putin is considering allowing that to continue. Now, that's not a done deal for sure, but there's talk of it this week, and it put pressure on the wheat market. December Kansas City wheat down 7.5, 9.44.5. December Chicago wheat down 11.5 at 8.49.5. In the energy markets, November natural gas lost 28 cents at 5.71. November crude oil down 218, 83.28 a barrel. The financial markets higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 337 at 30,523. The NASDAQ up 96 points at 10,772. And the S&P up 42 at 3,718. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, 
at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.